So I listened to my body for the first time ever with compassion and with love, and I did what my body needed to do. So knowing when to quit or knowing when to fail is whenever continuing to do the thing no longer aligns with your vision and your intention of what the thing is supposed to bring you. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hey guys, good morning. Well, it may not be morning where you are, but it's morning where I am, and I hope it's a good one. I will acknowledge right here at the top a couple of things. Number one, I am in a hotel room in New York, so there's a very solid chance you're going to hear honking and cars and taxis. And number two, I'm in the middle of my speaking tour, so I know that my voice sounds like my throat is swollen and a little scratchy because that is what is happening when I am doing tour. I speak for at least two hours straight inside of the event and then I do a VIP meet and greet which could take another hour of talking and it's so much fun. I'm so grateful to get to do it, but it does uh, it does make my voice sound a little funny. So I'm kind of like that time when Phoebe got the cold on Friends and then all of a sudden she had the greatest singing voice. I've got like a weird, yeah, that's what's happening. So I appreciate your patience as it's not quite as crystal clear and melodic as you're used to. I sort of feel like what was that show? What was that like old time radio show, which probably still still exists? Um, remember Delilah? Delilah has to still be doing her thing. Remember, she'd be like, welcome to Love Songs with Delilah. This one goes out to Steve. Sarah wants you to know that you are the love of her life. In this current state, I feel like I could be a late night romance radio host. So, <laughs> that's not what we're going to talk about today, everybody. Thank goodness. Uh, we are going to talk about knowing when to quit, which I'm going to be honest, is not an episode I thought I would ever do because I don't quit. I had a recent experience where I was doing a physical challenge and it was the first time since I've ever taken on like marathons or any sort of big physical, you know, push yourself kind of thing that I couldn't finish. Like I physically could not finish. And I've never experienced that before. It was one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life. And I was like, oh, I cannot wait to talk to everybody about this. Before we jump into that, I have to acknowledge we've only done two city stops on this tour. We did Birmingham, Alabama, and we did Charleston, South Carolina. And it has been incredible. It has been incredible for so many reasons. I started this journey of this tour and really I didn't know why I was being called to do it. I feel very strongly that God and the universe encouraged me, gave me this idea, like made everything aligned so that it could happen, but I couldn't totally understand why because in the past when I've done conferences like if you've ever been to a rise conference there are these massive events they're multi-day they're really energetically life-changing for so many of us who go because you can't not be changed you come into a room with 5,000 or 8,000 or 10,000 people and you work on yourself for three days the energy in that space is unprecedented and that's what I was coming out of that's what I had sort of worked up to in doing this work. And then I get this idea to do a tour because 
I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could go to people instead of people coming to us, we could go to them and they wouldn't have to pay for travel. And, you know, if they needed to get a sitter, it would only be for a few hours. And in some cities, the tickets are as low as like 30 bucks. Not that everybody can afford 30 bucks, but it's very different than a conference where the least expensive ticket is 300. It all worked out where the cities that the tour ended up being inside of were not cities I was familiar with. I had someone ask me at VIP the other day, they were like, why did you choose these cities? And I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't pick these cities. Because honestly, if I was picking cities, I would have picked cities where I know I have the largest fan base. That's what you do when you do an event. I would go to basically anywhere in California, anywhere in New York, anywhere in Texas. I'd go to Florida. I'd go to Chicago, right in the heart of the city. That's what you do. But everyone and their brothers on tour right now. And so how it ended up working out was being routed into cities that I wasn't familiar with, like a Birmingham, Alabama. I really do believe that our steps are guided and I try and live my life every day being open to what the universe, you know, is guiding me to. And that meant sort of starting this tour going, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the energy is like in a Birmingham or I don't know what's going to happen in Charleston. And I've been really humbled by what I've experienced so far. And I hope that the audience would say the same. Like, I hope they would say, oh my gosh, like, you know, Asan and Rachel and the team, like it's been so incredible, but removing the experience of the audience from it, I have been so blessed by it. I have been so blessed to get to be in the energy, like in the space of 500 people working on their hearts. And what's really cool so far, I don't know what the other cities have in store, But what's really cool so far is there's a lot of people in the audience who have no idea who I am, who've never heard of personal development, never worked on their hearts. They don't know why they're there. They came with like a friend or a lot of wives are bringing their husbands and, you know, they start off the night with their arms crossed and they're sort of frowning. They're like, what am I doing in this room that is predominantly women? And by the end of it, you just sort of see them crack open a bit. And what I what I love, because I can see everything from the stage, I am really good at like paying attention to who's who's getting this, who's into it, who's very uncomfortable, who wants to leave, usually the dudes. And then you'll see these moments where these guys are like, we do a meditation where we we do a gratitude meditation and I teach the audience if they're not familiar with how to lock into um, filling yourself up with gratitude and then we go into this vision of our future and the kind of person that we want to be and I'm watching these men who came into the room arms crossed who are now quietly crying in their seats and what I keep hearing over and over again is that this work is so important for women but the men who are willing to sit in it and be open to it, have these profound experiences because tell me what opportunities the average dude has to look at his heart and to be in a space where no one's going to judge him if he cries and no one's going to judge him if he is feeling feelings he doesn't know what to do with. It's really beautiful. Beyond what's happening, like the energy, you know, we started in Birmingham. We went to Charleston. Charleston's energy was unreal. Like if you are listening to this and you're in the audience, I just want to honor you because you know, we had an amazing night. We had seriously, it was incredible. Basically what happens is VIP, there's like a VIP cocktail party that starts at five. At six o'clock doors open to all the other tickets and at six o'clock Asan who's my friend and DJ he basically treats six o'clock like you just walked into your cousin's wedding so he like the music is going he's getting energy in the crowd people are having a cocktail they're having some wine and he's like leading people in line dances they're doing like the cha-cha slide you know the cupid shuffle everyone's just having the best time And that's really intentional for us because I've found over the years that one of the biggest disconnects 
for women who come into this space or men or whoever is they are disconnected from their body. They're disconnected from body. And if you're disconnected from body, then you're disconnected from spirit. It's hard to feel centered or grounded. And so as silly as it may seem, when you see these videos of conference or you see these videos of tour and you see us dancing and like jumping up and down, I know that people see that on social and they're like, oh, okay, cult. Like what kind of crazy cult is Rachel? No, no. We have people dance throughout the night because that physicality changes your physiology. It changes what's happening inside your body. This is true. Even if you don't ever come and see me speak, if you're having a hard day right now, if you're feeling stress or anxiety or any negative emotion, or maybe you're feeling an energy slump, don't reach for coffee. Get up and dance for a minute, for 90 seconds. Put on your favorite pump up jam and move your body. We say at conference, when you move your body, you change your mind and profound things happen when you change what's going on inside of your head. So that's why you see us dancing and Asan knows how to get a crowd dancing. Like we, we just have so much fun. So by the time I walk onto stage, the audience already has so much life and energy that it just takes the entire event so much further. But Charleston was amazing. We laughed, we cried. I know it sounds cheesy, but we really do. And I had a really big meeting here in New York, which I'll tell you guys more about later. It was super exciting and some great traction on something I've been working on for a really long time. I had a great meeting in New York, and then I leave today, actually, for Chicago to go do the next show. So if you're listening to this, it comes out on Thursday, tonight in the Chicago area. It's a place called Joliet is uh, is where the show is and if you're listening to this and you are close to that event I feel like this is your sign if you've been on the fence but you're listening to this and you're driving distance to Joliet which is outside Chicago or on Saturday I'm gonna be in Chesterfield which is just outside of St. Louis so if you're close to either one of those come hang out. I promise you, you're going to have a good time. My favorite, I was at VIP the other night and there was this woman who was a huge fan, incredible. Shout out to Helen. Hope you're listening to this. She was so great. She had such beautiful light and energy and she had brought a group of her friends with her. And my favorite thing ever is when someone tells me I never heard of you or even better they're like, I sat down, I was like, who is this white chick? This is a, this beautiful Latina woman was like, who is this white chick? Why is she have so much energy? Why is she talking to me? Like, she's like, I definitely was judging. And that was incredible. It's like that those two hours were so incredible. I couldn't have expected what was about to happen. That was that was awesome. And I was like, Oh, thank you so much. You don't understand how much I love when someone walks in and has a preconceived notion of what happens at one of our events, either because you have a preconceived notion about personal development, or maybe because you have a preconceived notion about me. But I promise that what happens when we're doing something like this, it's not me, it's us. It's me, it's the crew, it's every single person in the audience creates something that has never existed before and will never exist again. Every single city is different. The energy of every city is different. And it's so special to get to be a part of it. So I want to thank Birmingham and Charleston. And I want to thank everybody who traveled to be there. Because I will tell you in Birmingham, we have this whole thing where we let the audience choose their theme song doesn't really make sense. But if you're coming to tour, you'll understand it later. And we think, oh, this is going to be a moment. One of the songs we're going to play is Sweet Home Alabama. We're in Birmingham. It feels like the most obvious choice. Asan and I are like so hyped up on ourselves. We're like, this is going to be amazing. The audience is going to freak out. We play Sweet Home Alabama. Like three people respond. And I was like, from the stage, I'm like, wait a minute. How many of you are actually from Alabama? And those three people raise their hand. So in an audience of hundreds, only three were from the state that the actual event is in. And when we went to Charleston, definitely a much larger population who lived in the, in the city or in the state. But most people are traveling in. There were people from Canada 
in Charleston who had flown to go to Charleston to come to this event. It's incredible. So if you're thinking about coming, don't be afraid of coming by yourself. I promise you will not leave alone. You will not feel alone. It's so inclusive. If you're like, well, I live two hours away. I don't know. No. Come or go to someone else's event. But I don't know anybody who does this kind of thing the way that we do. And we only have five more shows. So we've got Joliet tonight. We've got Chesterfield on Saturday. We're in Kansas City next week. We're in Detroit. And then we end in Cincinnati. That's it. Those are all the shows that we have planned. So if you're thinking about it, just give yourself the gift of investing in something that gives you the space to dream and allows you to have your cup filled back up. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Okay, now let's talk about this physical challenge that I failed at. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times to you guys. I know that the word failure is very triggering for a lot of people, and I intentionally use it. Because I think that we have to get rid of our fear of failure. We have got to let go of this obsession we have with getting it wrong, with doing something wrong, with other people watching us not succeed. Like we have to let go of this. Because that fear of failure is what's keeping us from trying anything at all. If you want to level up in big ways, then you do stuff that challenges you, that makes you feel uncertain, that makes you feel insecure. You say, okay, I think I'm about 30% qualified for this thing, or I'm about 50% qualified for this thing, and I'm just going to try. And if you don't get it, you try again. It's that simple. It is not complicated. Yes, failure is emotional. Yes, it can trigger us. It can make us feel all sorts of ways. But the only way that I know that you get past that is to get through that. And the only way to get through that is to do it, is to do it and try and see what happens. So this new fresh failure was the first time that I've ever committed to a physical endurance challenge that I could not finish. What's crazy is that I have done this exact physical challenge before. Back in 2019, I attempted to do this crazy challenge called 29029. So 29,029 feet is the height of Everest. So this incredible group of people came up with the idea that they could create an Everest challenge here in the US. And essentially what they do is they rent out a ski resort. So they rent out a mountain in a time of year where there's no snow on it and they figure out okay the height of this mountain is x and if the participants were to climb it 13 times in a row or 17 times in a row or eight times in a row whatever height the mountain is that would be climbing the equivalent of everest 
I had heard about this back in 2019. I had an acquaintance who was doing it. I was at a business lunch and he was telling us that he was doing this thing. And he was like, you should do it. You guys should do it. And I was like, yes, because I was looking for a new physical challenge. If you don't know my story, I, I, I was not this girl growing up. I was not athletic. I was not a runner. I had zero endurance. And when I got into running, it was for two reasons. One, I was experiencing really severe anxiety. And I was trying to figure out a way to lower my anxiety. And I had read that physical exercise really helped. So that was one. Two, I was married at the time. And my ex-husband had run a half marathon. And he trained for it, and I was so jealous that I couldn't do it too. I was pregnant at the time. I was like seven months pregnant. And I was so jealous that I thought, man, when I, when I have the baby, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this on. So after I had the baby and I healed enough to start exercising again, I started training. I couldn't even run half a mile. I couldn't even jog half a mile without feeling like I was going to throw up or die. The beautiful thing about running, I think, is that if you're able to run at all, you'll be able to run it all because running is buildable. You can start with being able to run an eighth of a mile, like jog an eighth of a mile, or maybe you're able to start walking an eighth of a mile and then you build on that. And then the next time you go out and you run a quarter mile. And the next time you go out and you run a half a mile and you build up. That's what's so beautiful. I guess it's like most physical activities, but I love it because I think it becomes like therapy or church. Running is something that happens between you and your higher self, you and your creator, you and what's going on inside your head. You can listen to music. You can do it without paying for anything like you can put sneakers on and go outside and get some exercise in I just think it's such a beautiful experience I did a 5k thought I was gonna die didn't then I challenged myself to do a half marathon incredible definitely thought I was gonna die didn't and the pride that I experienced watching my body do something I did not know it was capable of I still can tap into that. This was years ago, and I can still tap into that first race pride. I also think, especially for women, especially for mamas, it's so rare that you get to do something and see yourself as strong. That you get to see yourself do something, you're like, oh my gosh, wow, I didn't know I was capable of this. You know, we like grow and push a human out of our body but don't understand how strong our physical body actually is, which is crazy. I love a physical challenge. That's what sort of started it inside of me. And I love the people who sign up for a physical challenge. I've done all kinds of things. And I swear to you, every kind of person will be there with you at the starting line. There'll be people in their 80s. There'll be kids. There'll be people who are at the beginning of a health journey who you can tell are really struggling. Maybe they're going to walk the entire course, but they're going to do it. And I just, I'm so inspired by that. You see people who are doing the race who are wheelchair athletes. Like I just, oh, it's so, it's just so inspiring. So I really, really encourage you to think about doing something. But for me, I had taken on this mountain climb back in 2019. I had done it in Utah at a place called Snow Basin. And Snow Basin, you climb 13 times. 13 times to the top, you get in a gondola, because remember, it's a ski resort, you take the gondola back down, and you immediately start climbing again. It is brutal. It is brutal. It is entirely in your head. It is a mindfuck. It is mind over matter in the greatest way you've ever experienced. It broke me down. Like some of you might remember that old podcast episode. I mean, in order to pull this off in less than 36 hours, which is the rule of this challenge, you have to climb through the night. You literally have to hike a mountain in the night wearing a headlamp. It's freezing. You're sleeping in a tent. Like just everything about it was horrible. <laughs> I did it and I was so proud of myself. We had 36 hours to finish. I finished in 35. It took me so long. 
I did it years ago. I said, I'll never do it again. But I think that it's probably like having a baby. If you've ever had a baby, you have one baby and you're like, that was the worst, you know, labor. And then you have like six weeks or you you don't sleep. Your nipples are cracked and bleeding. You're bleeding. It's just, holy God, it is so intense. And then at some point that baby's like two or three and you forget how awful it is. <laughs> you forget and you're like, let's have another baby. And then you have that baby. You bring that baby home from the hospital and you remember, oh God, this is going to be the worst. We're not going to sleep for months. And eventually you get through it and everything's fine. But there is that feeling of, oh, I remember this particular brand of suffering. I was craving some kind of physical challenge there's a ultra marathon I really want to do and thought I was going to be able to do this year, which is the next like challenge for me in running. I've done marathons, but I've never done an ultra. There's one I really want to do, but I missed I missed the sign up for it, which was such a bummer. But I missed the sign up. Going to try and do it next year. But in any event, I was like, what else can I do? And I had had a recent interview with my friend Colin and Colin is one of the founders of 29029 and I in talking to him just remembered doing this endurance challenge so after I had my conversation with him I was like oh I'm gonna look and see what's up with the 29 crowd I go on their website I see every event is sold out because these events are so popular and they can only do a small group of people. And I see that they've added a new mountain. So it originally started, I think, in Vermont. Then they added Utah. And then they've now added Whistler in Canada. And I was like, okay, that's badass. That seems amazing. They're totally sold out. But I had talked so much about doing it last time. And my picture is like all over their website from 2019 I was like oh you're okay you're using me in the marketing great that's awesome didn't know um that I was like okay if you're using me in the marketing I feel like I could maybe sneak in so I sent a text to Colin I'm like bro has anyone dropped out of Whistler I would love to do it and he's like oh I don't think so let me check but I again I told you guys I really feel guided there are times where I just sort of get an idea for something that I just know it's going to work out. I know I'm being guided to do something. So he's like, let me ask. He sends a text. He's like, oh my gosh, we just had people drop out. So yeah, there's a spot if you want it. I'm like, yes. So immediately give him my credit card, pay for my thing, which I want you guys to understand. Both times I have done this endurance challenge, it is expensive. It is an investment. I have paid for it both times. I am realizing right at this moment that talking about it so much makes it seem like I am getting money for it or that I'm a paid part. Nope, nothing. I pay my own doll hairs to do this thing and it's incredible and everything I'm saying is because I really believe in the event, not because someone is paying me to do it. The crazy thing was there were two weekends for Whistler and one was essential, like was basically two weeks ago. And I knew that I was about to start tour. So I was like, man, last time I did this, it really messed me up physically. It messed me up. I was so destroyed that I thought I can't do this and then go on tour. There's no way. Like I need time to rest. So I was like, guys, can I get into the first weekend? So I have two weeks before tour starts. And they were like, oh, sorry, we only have openings the second weekend. And I was like, okay, let's do it. We're going to just trust that I'm being called to do this and that I will have the physical strength necessary to climb a mountain. Whistler is a much higher elevation. It's much steeper. So Whistler, you only, and I'm using air quotes, you only have to climb Whistler eight times. You don't have to climb it 13 like in Utah. <laughs> There's a reason why you only have to climb it eight, which I found out later. I'm talking to Boo. He grew up, he's Welsh, or like his family's Welsh, and so he grew up climbing mountains. He loves climbing, and he climbs like rock face, like he's he knows what he's doing. I'm, hey, I do this thing, you want to do this thing? He's like, yes, I would love to do this with you. We go to Canada, and we go to the resort where this is all happening from, and I'm feeling really good, and I'm really excited and everyone's like, you've got this, like, you're, you're going to be great. This, and I'm like, Oh, I know, I know, I'm so confident in this. I know it's going to suck. 
but I am totally confident that I can do this. I've done it before. The very first morning, you start at like six o'clock in the morning, there was maybe 250 people maybe. And you go, like I said, you have 36 hours. So from 6am on that first day until I don't know what it is, maybe 6pm on the second day, you can climb as much as you want whenever you want, but you've got to get eight ascents in order to have climbed the mountain. So we start off and it's great because I have a lot of friends and acquaintances who are there and we all kind of start off together and we're chatting and I'm talking to Colin, I'm talking to Jesse and Mark, wherever, you know, how are your kids? How's your wife? Like, oh, what ultra did you do? I'm like picking their brains. It's amazing. We're going up that first ascent and you're kind of in a cluster the first climb because everyone has started at the same time. Pretty immediately, two things become apparent. The first is that my right ankle immediately is throbbing, immediately. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yet I have not had any problems with my ankle. As soon as I start walking, not even climbing, walking, my ankle starts almost excruciating pain, like so painful. And I'm trying to stretch it. I'm trying to move it around. I'm like, what on earth is going on? And I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. Because now I'm like, okay, we're going to do this thing with this ankle. If it's throbbing now, and when you're when you're climbing up the mountain, you're almost entirely headed uphill. I mean, you are uphill the whole time. So imagine that your ankle is at an angle the whole time. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm about to mess this up. But you know me, I'm like, I'm doing this thing. I am committed. And let me just add in another beautiful, but also like definitely made the stakes higher thing. I kid you not, on this climb, I must have run into 20 people, literally 20 people out of 200, who stopped me and were like, are you Rachel? I'm like, yeah. Like, I am here because of you. I listened to that podcast back in 2019. And I always wanted to try this. And I finally tried the like, I am here because of you. And it was mostly women. But a couple times it was dudes who were like, my wife made me listen to your podcast. And then I'm trying this thing. So I'm like, so touched, like, Oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. The universe is showing me how this work like gets people to do their own dream. And Oh, my God, like, I'm so grateful. But now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these people are watching me. So my ankle's throbbing and these people are here. And I'm like, they know I finished this before. I'm like, I gotta do it, whatever. So about halfway up the first ascent, the first ascent, halfway, I start to feel weird. Like something's wrong. My body starts to feel weak. I'm like, okay, whatever. I know what to do, mind over matter, I'm not going to think about it, I'm going to talk to my friends, I'm going to get up to the top. I get up to the top, the first ascent, it took three hours and 10 minutes of climbing straight uphill, and at the top you have about 15 minutes in the gondola on the way down, which is basically a moment to rest, and there's aid stations, there's like lounges you can go in, there's all this stuff, but if you actually want to finish this, you really can't stop, you can't stop climbing. The very first time I did it, my friend Jesse Itzler, who is also a co-founder, gave me the best advice. He was like, when you get off the gondola at the bottom of the mountain, immediately turn right. Immediately turn right and start hiking back up. That is the only way that you will pull this off is if you do not stop. And so I'm like, oh gosh. So 15 minutes in the gondola on the way down, we're coming down me and Boo after our first climb. And just as a side note, Whistler, I've never been. It's got to be one of the most beautiful places in the world. Top three for me, prettiest places I've ever seen. So you're climbing and it's brutal, but it's also so gorgeous. So it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We're like, that was great. But in my head, I'm like, I feel really weird. We go up to do the second ascent. Now I'm starting to really get winded. Like I'm gassed and I shouldn't be gassed on the second ascent. I am a runner. Endurance is the name of my game. I am not fast. Y'all, I am not fast, but I'll go forever. This is my identity. This is how I know myself. I do not quit. But before I had started climbing the mountain, I came into the weekend and I set my intentions. I do this with my kids. I do this with my boyfriends. I do my boyfriends. Oh my God. 
That made it sound like I have this harem. Um, I have one boyfriend that sounded so bad. I did this with my boyfriend. I was like, what's your intention? I do this with the team. Like when we're going into a launch of something, okay, what's everyone's intention in this launch? I just think it's so powerful to know what you hope to get out of an experience before you do it. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So I had set my intention and my intention with this climb were three things. The first was I said, I want to feel connected to my body. It had been a really long time since I'd done an endurance challenge. I ran a marathon at the beginning of the year, but I hadn't done one since. I, I really wanted to feel that connection with my body that can only really happen for me inside of these physical moments. So I said, I want to feel connected with my body. The second intention is I want to have fun. I want to have so much fun in this process. That's something I've learned over the years. I used to approach physical endurance challenges from fear. I had so much fear. What if I don't finish? What if I poop my pants when I'm running? What if I fail and like everybody sees me and they judge me? Like I had all of these fears and I've learned to go into the situation from a place of love and from a place of fun. So I wanted to have fun. And my last goal was I wanted to be a light on the mountain because I have done it before. So I thought, well, if I see someone struggling, I can speak to them from a place of actual, like, I've done this, I know it sucks, I know it's brutal, but I promise you, you can get there one single step at a time. Second time up the mountain, I start to feel really weak. And I'm having to stop constantly. Like, I would climb, I would try and get myself to climb like 50 steps. And then I would have to stop and catch my breath. And I could tell my boyfriend, he's so much, he's very fast. Endurance isn't his thing, but he's very fast. And I could tell he was pacing with me so slowly because he's not going to leave me behind. He's like the most caring human ever. But I could tell that he was kind of looking at me like, what is going on with her? Because we run together. He knows that I can do more. But that day, I didn't have it. And now I started to get a little worried 
And now I become aware that, to be totally honest, if I had asked my doctor, if you have um, listened to my interview with my doctor, Dr. Brush, one of our most popular episodes this year, if I had asked Dr. Brush, there's no way she would have cleared me for this climb. Because I found out, I guess about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago maybe, I have really severe anemia. I don't know if y'all remember, I'd done a podcast episode where I was saying that I knew something was wrong with my body. I spent so much time trying to balance my hormones. I felt like I got my hormones balanced. And then I started to get really crazy anxiety. Like I have anxiety, but it was a different kind of anxiety. And then the anxiety started to turn into depression. And I've only ever had depression once. It was postpartum depression. But basically the same time every month, I was starting to feel really low, like really low, like, oh, I can't get out of bed, which is triggering for me on a whole host of levels that I'm not going to go into right now. But I started to feel really bad. And I knew something was super wrong. And it was always the same time of the month. So I thought, oh, it must be hormones. So I made an appointment with Dr. Brush. And I'm like, something's so wrong. I'm like, this is a 911. This is an SOS. Like, something's really wrong. Every time right after my period, I'm sinking into depression and I'm feeling panicky. Like, just all this stuff was happening. So she's like, okay, talk me through it. What's, what's going on? I, ever since the beginning of the year, have had really heavy periods. If any bros are listening to this... Sorry, not sorry. My periods have been really heavy. And in my family, my grandma had this, my sisters have this, we tend to have low blood pressure and we also tend to be anemic already. So it didn't occur to me that I was having month after month after month where my iron stores were getting lower and lower and lower because I was bleeding so heavily. I didn't understand what was happening. So I'm talking to Dr. Brush. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, this is, I can't, I'm freaking out. I can't function. I'm so weak. And she's like, oh, we're going to run a blood panel, but I would bet all my money that you are severely anemic. So I go have my blood work done. She's like, in the meantime, I want you to eat some red meat. I want you to start taking your iron. And also, as always, guys, go, if I, if there's something, even if I haven't really explained it well, but something about what I'm saying is like, a little like you're sitting up a little straighter, you're listening a little bit more. It could be your intuition being like, hey, check out the symptoms of anemia. Because I didn't understand brain fog is a symptom of anemia. Depression is a symptom of anemia. Like if you're having heavy periods and you're feeling some of these things, severe anxiety right after your period, all of this stuff, go look it up. It's crazy. She explained it to me that when you're anemic, your blood cannot take oxygen to your brain the way that it should. So that feeling makes you feel depressed. It makes you feel low. It makes you feel like you can't focus or think straight. I never would have thought that it was a blood related issue. So she gets me on iron. I start to feel better. It takes a while to get your iron stores back up. I knew this going into the mountain, but I have been feeling so much better that I was like, I'm fine. I'm tough. I can do anything except my, my, anemia is still there and I'm also now dealing with altitude altitude like Whistler has a higher altitude at the base than Utah did and is much higher to the top than Utah was that's why you only have to do eight ascents because the mountain is so effing tall so now I have two things working against the way that my blood can get oxygen and things to my brain which is making me feel so weak. So second ascent, I'm starting to feel weird. But I'm like, there is no, it's not even in my mind that I'm not able to finish. We go down the gondola after the second ascent. Now we're going up for our third. This time, I'm stumbling up the mountain like a drunk person. My rhythm's off. I'm kind of tripping over things. I was very disoriented. This is only my third time. I'm supposed to do eight. I'm, I literally would come. I was just watching. The, I would just look at the ground. I didn't want to look up because if I looked up, I saw how much further I had to go and it would stress me out. So I just looked at my feet 
And I would get to like a point in the trail where my mind, I I literally, I didn't know what I was looking at. Like I, my mind stopped making sense. Kez kept asking like, are you okay? Like baby, what is going on? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. I can mind over matter anything. I've got this. But on that third ascent, like friends started passing or people would pass who knew me or my work and everyone started going, are you okay? Cause I now understand I was like super gray. I looked like a drunk person. I was, I was moving so slow. I didn't realize how slow I was moving, but it was taking me forever. Third ascent, we get to the top. I'm destroyed. I'm like, I've done the whole thing, like that level of tired. And I start to worry, oh my, oh my gosh. I'm, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do this. I've never, y'all, this is not me. You, I mean, our ego, like the part of us that has a perception of who we are, will do almost anything close to death to keep us aligned with who we perceive ourselves to be. I am not someone who fails at something like this. That's what I'm telling myself. So we're headed down in the gondola after our third ascent and Boo says, are you sure? Like, do you need to rest? Are you sure you're okay? By the way, third ascent, three climbs of the mountain has taken 10 hours. 10 hours I've been climbing directly uphill, feeling crazy. And he's like, are you sure that you got this? Because now the next ascent, we've got to put a headlamp on because it's nighttime. And we really needed to do two more that day. If we wanted to pull it off, we needed to do two more that day before we could rest and like sleep for a little while. So we're headed down. He's like, are you sure you got this? I look at him. I say, Goonies never say die. Because I'm cool, guys, in case you didn't know. And he's like, or Goonies say, maybe not today. I'm like, no, baby, I got this, whatever. We start climbing fourth ascent. I start climbing. And everything in my body, I mean, like, imagine my right ankle has been throbbing for 10 hours it's swollen I'm stressed I can barely take steps but in my spirit I've never experienced something like this before my spirit was like no nope we're not gonna do this and I kept thinking if I go too far I'm gonna wreck myself in a way that means I'm gonna have to cancel at least the first two cities of tour so we start climbing again and I just stop and I look at him and I'm like, I can't do this. I, I have to go lay down. I'm not okay. And he's like, oh my gosh. Like he's so worried for me and whatever. I'm like, no, you keep going. Because I know this man's like, he's about to sprint up this mountain because he's been walking so slowly with me all day. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to go back to the hotel room because shout out to Whistler. FYI, if you want to take on 29029 challenge in Utah, you got to sleep in a tent. And your girl is a bougie bougie bitch I hate a tent I am not a camper I'm sorry I need some hot water I need it was part of why I wanted to climb Whistler because I knew you could stay in a hotel room so I go back down I'm like no I'm fine you go do your thing which by the way you guys every single time I climbed that mountain it took over three hours the first time that he was unleashed to climb without me he climbed it in an hour and 45 minutes so we hate him whatever And as soon as I start walking away, I realize how bad off I am. It's like when you're in it and your mind is so focused on not letting you, I, as soon as I like had let go, my body was like jacked. Everything hurts. Everything's shutting down. Crazy experience. And as soon as that happens, here comes the negative self-talk. It's spring, guys, or it's very close to spring, which means it's very close to the time of the year where I start planting my garden for summer. And this year, I was really excited to add a lemon tree, not from a seed, but like an actual tree. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. 
And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners of my show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code RACH at checkout. Guys, get a lemon tree like me. We can be twins. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code RACH at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code RACH. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Here comes the voice in the back of my head telling me all of the reasons that I'm a failure, that I suck, I'm embarrassed because I know that the people who are still climbing who said that they were climbing because of me, I know that they're going to realize I'm not, I'm not going to get it. Because here's the thing. It's not like I could go to sleep and then come back the next day and go. You have to get a certain amount of climbs in the first day or you won't get it at all. And so I'm just like, I'm the biggest failure. I'm the biggest piece of crap. Like I, everything. I'm getting old. Like... <laughs> I am coming up with a whole litany. And then as I'm walking, having this in my my head, I'm like, no, no, this is not who we are anymore. I spent my entire life, Enneagram three, high achiever to the highest level. And the truth is a lot of times I can get myself or I did get myself to achieve things that were hard by brutally destroying myself when it felt like I needed to stop. I have achieved a lot by being so hard on myself mentally and emotionally. And as I was walking, I was like, no, we are not going to do this. We have done so much therapy. We have done so much work. We are not going to be this person. When I shut down those thoughts, When I was able to create some space inside myself by removing that negative self-talk, I got some space and I got some clarity and something became really apparent to me. I was still living out my intentions for the day. In fact, the only time I would have failed at my intention was if I hadn't quit. Which is why I want to call this podcast episode knowing when to quit or knowing when to fail because it would only have been a failure if I had kept going to the point of destroying my body. Because remember, my first intention was to feel connected to my body and I am not connected to my body if I am not honoring the messages my body is giving me. So I was like, whoa, this is so, it was so profound to me. That it actually was the most mature thing I have ever done. Never in my life have I willingly, like I'm the person like, you got to take me away in a stretcher. Like they might have had to. Truly, that's where we were going. If I had climbed that mountain a fourth time, that's where we were headed. So I listened to my body for the first time ever with compassion and with love. And I did what my body needed to do. So knowing when to quit or knowing when to fail is whenever continuing to do the thing no longer aligns with your vision and your intention of what the thing is supposed to bring you. Like my mind exploded. And this is why I love a physical challenge. Because I learn more in those moments than I do the rest of the year. I learn more failing at climbing this mountain than I ever learned when I succeeded at it. It's why, oh my gosh, I know that when you look at a marathon, a half marathon, a Tough Mudder, the 29029, when you look at those things, I know there are those of you who desire to do them, but you're like, there's no way I could finish. Here's the thing. Even if you don't, I swear to you, you will learn more about yourself than you will sitting at home. There were people, I heard stories. There was a guy the weekend before who knew he was not in the place yet where he could do all eight times. Y'all, he climbed for 35 and a half hours 
straight. He was at the beginning of a health journey. He knew he would not be able to finish, but he was like, I am staying on this mountain. This man climbed for 35 and a half hours straight. When we were going up on our second ascent, we saw a woman who could barely walk. I remember her because when we walked by her, we're like, you've got this. It sucks. I know it sucks, but you can do it. You're so strong. One step at a time. It's also what's so amazing about an experience like this. Everybody's struggling. Everyone knows it's hard and every single person is encouraging you, loving on you. They might walk with you. They'll share their snacks. Like they're so incredible. On his fourth ascent. So mind you, this has got to be at least, at least six hours later. My boo passes the same woman. The same woman that we passed on ascent number two who can barely move up the mountain. He passes her six hours later and she's still on the same climb she's still on the same climb that's how slowly she's moving and I don't think there's anyone more inspiring you see people in their 80s trying to climb this mountain you see people who've done it they're on their third time trying this is the third time they've come to 29029 the first time they got up two ascents the second time they got up four this time they're pumped they're going to get up six Every single person is on a journey and you learn something from the journey. But if I'm not connected to my body and if I'm not aligned with my own intentions, I miss the lesson. Oh my gosh, the things that I learned. Here's what else I realize as I'm walking back to my hotel room. When I give myself that space to think on it, I really tune in to my ankle. You know, because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm still aligned with my intention. Let's tune into this ankle. And if you have listened to me talk to my friend Kimberly Lucas, she's an energy healer. This idea that different parts of our body can hold pain. That's emotional pain, not physical pain. And I'm like, I did not do anything to damage this ankle. And it is screaming at me. It is trying to get my attention. What does this mean? And that's when I tune in and I realize, wait. It's not my ankle that hurts. It's my Achilles heel. Ooh, shit. Okay, wait, what? So it's my Achilles heel and it's my right foot. The right side of your body is masculine energy. The left side is feminine energy. So I'm like, okay, my masculine energy on my Achilles heel, what does this mean? And it comes clearly to me like a guardian angel whispered it into my ear where do you have a shortcoming where are you short-sighted what is your Achilles heel when it comes to masculine energy and I know it it's pushing myself physically past a point that it's okay because I am so desperate to prove that I am strong and I realize that I In order to be balanced, the lesson for me here is that I have to hold space for both. A whole person is whole and complete in both masculine and feminine energy. Feminine energy would be self-care and compassion and love for yourself. And masculine energy would be pushing yourself and challenging yourself. Not that men and women. I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about energies. So to be whole for me would look like, can I balance love and compassion for my body with a desire to do these physical challenges? That's my shortcoming. That's my Achilles heel is pushing too hard. So go back to my hotel room. I eat red meat because I realized that I needed it. I pass out. I wake up in the morning. Boo had come back sometime in the night. I wake up in the morning And I actually feel really good. Like I thought I was done. I was like, I'm not climbing. I've done all I can do. I'll go out to the base of the mountain. I'll cheer people on. You know, I'll help the volunteers. I'll do something like that today. But I woke up and I felt really good. I get out of bed. I stand up. You guys, I swear to you, no pain in my ankle. It is gone. Excruciating pain all day long. The next day, completely gone. After I have physically taxed this past the point of no return, it's not a thing. I was like, oh, you were screaming at me because I needed to understand this. I needed to learn this lesson. So I wake up. I feel pretty good. 
my ankle doesn't hurt anymore. And Boo's getting ready. He's got to go climb. He has three more ascents to finish it. He's like, what are you going to do today? And I'm like, I'm going to go climb a mountain. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Are you, you're, what? Are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm going to climb the mountain. I really want to do this for myself. So I decide to go to my second intention, which is fun. My third intention, which is to be a light. And I'm like, I'm just going to go climb. I said, do not stay with me. I don't want you to pace with me because that's going to stress me out. You're going to have to go so slow. You go do your own thing, but I'm going to go climb the mountain. It's at this point, it's like 530 in the morning, which means we have to start climbing with headlamps on. I go have breakfast. I put on my headlamp. Boo takes off. He's so fast. And it's dark. I'm climbing a mountain in the dark. And I did not establish for you no BS. This mountain is covered with bears. We, there's signs everywhere. Beware of bears. Lots of climbers were seeing them. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to eat eaten by a bear. I don't really know how to stave that off. So I turn my phone on. I put it in my pocket. And I put on like boy band music from the early 2000s. So I've got Backstreet Boys singing like, everybody. And I'm like, this will scare the bears away. And I'm just vibing out having fun climbing this mountain and as I climb about an hour in the sun starts to rise the forest comes alive it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and I'm just slowly by myself making my way up this mountain I'm very hyper aware of like looking out for bears I'm so scared I'm like please don't let me I gotta oh my gosh like bears 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 I'm so scared I'm about hour and a half in maybe two hours and there's a switchback, so I come around a corner, and all I see is fur. Like six feet in front of me on the trail, all I see is fur. And I'm like, I'm dead. This is how I go, I'm, I'm about to die. Because my brain sees fur and thinks there's a bear. But six feet in front of me, I kid you not, is a massive buck. Like a four point buck, if you know what that means. It's like how many like points there are in their antlers, like how many, like, I don't know, if you know, you know massive buck it looks like an insurance commercial like this huge buck it's like Bambi's dad you know Bambi's dad <laughs> how he's like regal and sort of that is what is standing six feet in front of me on the trail it's so tall this is not like the deer in Texas this deer is huge it wasn't an elk it was a deer it's huge and it is staring right at me like staring into my soul and there's like this is looks like a movie there's like mist on the ground it's still close to like the sun just come up the forest has come alive and I am staring at this massive deer and I was like whoa this is a moment I, I if you listen to the podcast you know I feel like I am always sort of interacting with animals and I always feel like it's a a guide or a symbol or a sign or whatever I am telling you a giant ass buck does not stare at you on a misty morning in a mountain when you're already having this like sacred spiritual moment just stared at me dead in the face I'm looking at it it's looking at me I'm like are you about to like jump up and like hoof me to death what is about to happen we just keep staring at each other and finally I was like hello brother can I get by and Bambi's dad turns his head and walks away it was so incredible. It was like, oh, I have chills thinking about it. It was the most incredible thing. I do that ascent. The whole thing is just fun and beautiful. I'm so proud of myself because I didn't think I had anything left in me, but I felt really good. Do my fourth ascent. I get back down to the bottom. It's now like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm just going to have a coffee and I'm going to do one more because I knew that if I did five ascents, I had climbed the equivalent of Kilimanjaro. And I was like, well, that's kind of badass. I'm not going to get to Everest today, but I could climb the equivalent of Kilimanjaro. And at this point, it's 10 a.m. I have until 6 p.m. I'm like, if I walk so slow, I could still finish. I go to get coffee. In the restaurant is one of my friends that I haven't seen in a while. And we end up having coffee together. She was not doing the challenge. She was there with people who were doing the challenge. She wasn't doing the challenge. But she's like, oh, I'll climb one with you because she's a badass. And she's like, you know, why wouldn't I just climb a mountain right now? She's like, I'll climb one with you. I end up climbing with her. It was so incredible. We caught up. We both had some really hard things happen this year. We're processing that pain together. We're talking about all the she and like it was so amazing. And I'm realizing 
these incredible experiences that I got to have this, you know, getting to see Bambi's dad and getting to hike with my girlfriend who I would not have gotten to spend time with otherwise. I wouldn't have had those moments if I was still out there trying to win a freaking medal. It shifted and it became this like spiritual journey, this thing with my body, this aligning with my intentions. It was so powerful. And the reason that I wanted to tell you the story is because I think that many of you dream of doing something like this and you're worried what will happen if you fail. And I am telling you that even if you fail, I promise you it will be worth it. Masculine alpha energy tells us that the only thing that matters is the win. And truly, the only thing that matters is what you learn in the journey. That's when you know when to quit. That's when you know when to fail by choice because it no longer aligns with who it is you want to be. I am sure that there are people who look at my career or look at the work that I'm doing today and are like, oh, wow, she really fell, right? You know, she's not doing those big conferences anymore. She's not publishing a book every 14 months anymore. She's not hustling anymore. I lost my hustle. I lost my hustle. And because I'm in an industry that's dominated by alpha male energy, I know I know because I I hear it when I run into people, I'll see people and they'll be like, what are you up to? Oh, because I, I don't post on social media every day because I'm not constantly launching something because I'm not chasing money and, and fame and glory and all of these pieces of success that I once upon a time thought that I had to have. I'm just not interested in it. That's not my evolution. My evolution is about becoming happier about becoming more whole. And I'll tell you what, man, God always provides. She always provides every single thing that I need, every single lesson that I'm meant to own. She gives me the opportunity to have it. When we were on that fifth ascent, when I was talking to my girlfriend, we were talking about the idea of be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you wish for. Because we think that if we pray for strength, that we're going to immediately feel strong. The truth is, if you pray for strength, the universe is going to provide you with opportunities to get stronger. And opportunities to get stronger are usually hard AF. So you really have to be clear about your why. Choosing to fail because it aligns better with the person you want to be is the best knowing that I've ever known. Thanks for hanging out with me, you guys. I'm hopeful that this blessed you in some way. You got a little something out of it. If you think it would be helpful to a friend or your partner or your college student or whatever, I hope that you'll pass it along. I hope that you'll consider doing some kind of physical challenge, even if it's a 5K. I think it can have profound life-changing effects. I will be back soon with more conversation. I am on the road this week. I hope you're joining us on tour. Until then, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.